The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Let's look at 2 Timothy 2 and verse number 14. 2 and verse number 14. It says, Of these things, 2 Timothy, of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of hearers. And here's what you're to do rather. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their words will eat as does a canker, of whom Hymenus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Not the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but the resurrection of the, of the saints. And so he's basically coming down, you know, you can have a lot of arguments, a lot of vain conversations that really don't produce godliness. Uh, what I want you to do is I want you to study, to show yourself approved, and I want you to rightly divide the word of truth. I want you to get in there, I want you to study it, and I want you to break it apart for your own good. Now, as a way of introduction, I just want to note that this word study, uh, we look at it, and, oh yeah, it just means get into the Word of God, right? What do you think the word study means here? Anyone done a word study there? Yeah. Okay. It's not quite the, it, I mean, that, that's, I would understand that. And, and that's what, until you do a little word study, I would, I would go after. Any other guesses? I wish I would have written down those references. I, I, I almost did. There are several other places. I, if, I can, if I can see it right now on my, on my computer screen, there's several other places where it's used. Here, here's the idea of the, the word. It has more to do with an attitude as opposed to an action. And it is the attitude of eagerness. Uh, it, it's the idea of being eager to show keen interest, intense desire, impatient expectancy. So the idea is, you know, kind of like, let me at it. I, 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 I want to do this. And so he says, be eager uh, to show yourself approved unto God. Be ready. Uh, don't, don't let grass grow under your feet to show yourself approved unto God. How do you show yourself approved unto God? Well, certainly inside of this, opening your Bible and studying it, ruminating on it, is, is involved in this, Psalm chapter number 1. But, but the idea is let's be eager. Now, let's just be honest tonight. There are times in our lives in walking the Christian journey, we lose that eagerness, don't we? We lose that impatient expectancy that I'm going to go to the Word of God and I'm going to hear, hear something. As a pastor, I, I lose that sometimes. I have to go back to my Heavenly Father and say, I need, I need a res restoration of a love for your Word, a hunger for your Word where it's touching my very soul. And so Timothy was to challenge those as well as he himself. Uh, he was to um, be eager to show himself approved unto God, a workman, someone who is striving, someone who is skilled in this that doesn't need to be ashamed. Why? Because he's rightly dividing the word of truth. 
So we're all to, be, uh, uh, all to be seeking after that. None of us are to be neglecting this matter of rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, isn't that just for pastors? No, Timothy was going to preach this to the people at Ephesus. And he was going to challenge them, you too need to rightly divide the word of truth. Can you give an illustration from the book of Acts where there were other believers that needed to and well, really demonstrated uh, going back to the Bible and studying it on a, on a weekly basis. Do you remember them? The Brians. They were more, more noble than those that were at Thessalonica. Why? Because they searched the Scriptures daily. What was that? They were studying the Word of God. They were being workmen that didn't need to be ashamed. And they were, they were going after What does the Word of God say? And so let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number uh, 12 for a moment. 1 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 12. And Paul again is giving some practical insight to Timothy. He says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in your lifestyle, in charity, in how you love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Now, Look at verse number 13, and let's read it together. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Till I come. Timothy, you make sure you give attendance to reading. You make sure you give attendance to the exhorting, using the word to exhort, and to the teaching of the word. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given on thee by uh, prophecy, and with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery, with his, with his ordination, with the affirming of his gospel ministry. Verse 15, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. There's your word, Miss Judy. Meditate upon them. Uh, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing them thou shalt both say thyself and them that hear thee. So we have it both ways. And listen, if you, if you teach a class or you're a dad or you're a grandfather, whatever the case may be, before someone else can profit from what you're learning from the Word of God, you got to profit from it. And, and that sometimes is the, uh, a little bit of the, um, maybe the struggle. If you're teaching a class, uh, sometimes you go to the Bible and you think, well, what, uh, I got to get something out of this to teach to someone else, or we as dads can do that. I got to, I got to have in order to give to my children, but we don't, we don't drink it first. We don't eat it first. Thought kind of struck me today how much of a shame it would be for any one of us to pass along truth and never taste it ourselves. I mean, that's, that's not a good place to be. And yet, we can, we can, be, we can be a bucket carrier. You know, uh, you know the old fire brigades. <laughs> you know, we can, we can uh, you know, pass along the bucket, but never, never enjoy it ourselves. Never take, a, take and taste it of ourselves. And how important it is that we do this. And Timothy's saying, hey, take heed. Paul's saying to Timothy, take heed to thyself and unto the doctrine continue in them, walk in them, so that your profiting would appear to all, that you, it'll affect you, and then it'll affect other people. And really, the Word of God isn't going to affect the lost person in the cubicle next to us or the person at the store until it's really affected us. Uh, we are the best salt and light when the Word of God has cleaned up our hearts and when it's, when it's shined into our hearts and it's illuminated our thinking and when it's just it's overflowing out of us. So, 
how does God speak to us in the, as we would study the Bible? How does God speak to us? Well, he speaks to us through his word, right? He speaks to us through his word, his word through his church as we gather together in this way. He speaks to us through his word, through his people, as we share it with one another, as we take Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 to heart, and as we exhort one another to love and good works. He speaks to us through his word, through circumstances. I'll never forget, and I've shared this illustration before, but I'll never forget having kind of a rough day and driving out of our plat, and a black Cadillac was parked in, in, a, uh, in the in the uh, driveway right at the T of our road when, you know, where Longwood goes into sh uh, Shady Crest. And on the back, it had Psalm 66, and I want to say 8 or something like that. And, uh, and I didn't even want to look it up at that point because I knew God was trying to say something at that point to me. And it was, it, it, it's just like, I've never seen that car in, in the neighborhood, but there it is. It's Psalm 66, 8. And I think it, I think it was uh, something along the lines, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? You know, like, like what in the world? So God, God, yeah, God does sometimes, he uses different ways to get our attention. He speaks to us through the Spirit's leading, through his promptings, that still small, small voices. God, the Holy Spirit takes his word and reminds us of his, of his truth. And so uh, we look for that leading. We look for the voice of the Lord. In uh, Psalm 33 and uh, 32 and verse 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. He wants to teach us and bring us along. And so as we open up the word of God and we are those eager workmen that don't want to be ashamed, we need to be seeking God to turn on the lights for us. And allow us to see, as the Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I need that every day, right? I need to be an eager workman because I need his light, the light of his truth. The entrance of thy word giveth light. The entrance. Yet sometimes my way is dark and I don't know the next step and I don't, I, I, my moods are out, out, all out of whack because I don't have that light pouring in. I don't have the, the entrance of thy word uh, that I desperately, I desperately need. Um, the lamp, the lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You think about that. Uh, we have powerful flashlights in these days, but you think about that, that picture of just needing that, that lamp for the next step, the next step, and the next step. And not one of these high beam million candle powered uh, things that's lighting up the whole path. God doesn't always do that for us. He gives us light and lamp for the next step. And oh, how we need that every day. We need to be eager workmen getting into the Word of God and breaking it apart, rightly dividing it. Now, as, we, as we've thought, as we've looked at this together, um, we've, we've realized the Bible is a cohesive book that's all centered around Jesus Christ, right? And if we fail to, to really grab a hold of that, we're going to, we're going to wrest the Scriptures out of context, even as we read through the uh, read through the Old Testament sacrifices, and even as we've just come through the week where Passover is celebrated, all those things don't don't make perfect sense unless you see it through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it all uh, focuses on the Lord Jesus Christ. And oh, how it's important that we don't just skip over the Old Testament uh, to get to the New Testament, that we see it as one whole cohesive book. In fact, there are some people that, and uh, I'm thinking of a preacher right now uh, who uh, told his church, he has a large church down in Georgia, and uh, he told his church, we need to just unhitch from the Old Testament. And we need to be done with it. You know, just kind of distance ourselves from it. That, it, that shows gross negligence and you know, a misunderstanding of the Bible 
as a whole. And it's sad. It's, it's sad. Uh, his father's a preacher, and he has is, he is gone in that, that direction. But that's, that's a mainline evangelical uh, 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 modern day, um, and I would say uh, has gone into false teaching. Uh, when you when you say cut uh, cut out half the Bible, and so we don't want to skip over the Old Testament. It's all one cohesive book, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful even as thinking back in this this last Sunday. I'm thankful for the fact. Here's how we're going to define it for tonight in, uh, in looking at an inductive Bible study. And it's going to be defined in three words, okay? Uh, let's look at it in, in this way. We first of all observe. inductive preaching or teaching uh how many of you kind of are intrigued or find brother sam davison's preaching uh, it, it kind of keeps you on the edge all the way to the end i don't know about you but that's how i feel like i feel like he's going and going i don't know where he's going and then all of a sudden it's there he makes a last point and he's done and i was like well i didn't see that one coming i've enjoyed the whole message all the way through but i didn't see that one coming he is very much an inductive preacher and uh, he, he observes, he, he hashes it apart, he explains it, makes us understand it, and then brings it down to a final application, right? That's, that's, his, that's his style, uh, good style. It's something that uh, I, I've seen very few preachers be able to do effectively, and I, I, I love that about his preaching. Uh, many times, I would be more of a deductive. I'd make a, a point, here's where... This is what I want you to catch, and then I'm going to spend the rest of the message trying to prove that point. And, uh, and so the Lord, you know, Brother Davison is, is one that has challenged my thinking because I, I very much appreciate that, but that, that, it's two, uh, two, different, two different ways of going about it. But most of Scripture is written and is to be studied most, uh, mostly inductively. We observe it, we interpret it, we imply it. We should observe, then conclude. We should observe, then conclude. Um, you wait to draw a conclusion until you carefully observe the text of observation. And where that comes out in the, in the preaching of it is giving people the opportunity. The preacher hopefully has observed the text, right? Uh, giving people the opportunity to observe the text with you and to come along in that process with you. And that's exactly what, uh, why I give the illustration of Brother, um, Brother Davison. So we see this pattern in Scripture. We see it in, in preaching. I want you to think about it. This matter of observing, uh, interpreting, and uh, applying. What is it saying? 
getting back into the background, expositing the scriptures, exposing it, exegesis, getting into it and letting it, not reading into it, but letting it speak out. How does this, what does this mean for my life? Or how does it mean for my life? Application and allowing it to uh, be applied into your life. How should I respond? And then responding back to what I've just, what I've uh, learned. Now I want to give us an illustration. Let's go over to uh, Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 8. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 8. Because we find that Nehemiah does this, when he, or uh, Ezra does this, when he is speaking the word. Nehemiah 8 and verse number 8. Ezra, Nehemiah. Say, that's a lot of help. Ezra, Nehemiah. Nehemiah, verse number 8. Now, Verse number one, it says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man in the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, or yes, which the Lord had commanded. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and, uh, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. So there was men, women, and children that were present. Uh, they had a nursery, evidently, uh, for those that couldn't understand. All right. And now verse number 8, now here's what happens. It, it, it explains what's going on. They're reading there the whole morning long until midday, verse number 3, verse number 8. It says, so they read in the book of the law of God. Now notice, distinctly, and gave the sense, and caused them to understand the reading. Now I want you just to notice what, what Ezra is doing here, is he is he's with the congregation, they're observing the text, they're reading it. Now how did they read it? Distinctly. Distinctly. They didn't rush. You ever been in a service where the preacher rushes past the reading of the word? Now that's over and we can get on to the message. No, 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 that's not how it happened here. And by the way, when we read the word, we shouldn't rush um, rush past that. That that is what we need to hear. We need to read the word. And so he he says he read it distinctly. Uh, They were were giving it clearly. And then they are causing the people to understand. They're giving the sense, explaining it and then causing the people to understand. That's exactly what what is going on here when we talk about inductive um, Bible study. They're observing it, they're interpreting, giving this sense, and then they're applying it, causing the people to understand. How does this affect your daily life? I want to give us another illustration from the book of Acts and from our own study as a church. Because this is exactly what the Lord has allowed us to do as we've gone through the book of Acts. Many times we get to observe and, and hopefully we've, we've come through that section. We're finally back at Antioch. Paul's gone down to, uh, down to, uh, 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 Jerusalem. We've gotten to observe a lot of, of content from that first missionary journey. But we back up to Acts chapter number 12. We find Acts chapter number 12 opens up with telling us that Herod vexed the church with his persecution. We get down to the end of chapter number 12 and what happens to Herod? as he goes out by the sea and he makes a great oration in his silver woven jacket, flashing in the sun that's setting on the sea or rising on the sea. It must have been setting. And what happens? He's a god. And what happens? Eaten of worms. Tradition tells us that it took five days for that death to happen. 
And that whole time, the whole townspeople are, are crying and mourning over this, this situation. There was a close relationship between Herod and the Caesar, and there's problems going on up there. People, uh, there's some people that really hated Herod, and by the time they, um, when he died, they uh, took it out, um, their hatred out on the family. I realize that's not in text. Josephus talks to us about some of, uh, some of that stuff. But here, here's the key. We see that. We observe that whole chapter. There's turmoil. The church is being persecuted. They're being vexed. And we end God brings a man, one of the persecutors, to justice. He, he takes him off the scene in a very, very surprised way. And we open up chapter number 13. And what does the Bible tell us? Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon. There were called Nigus and Lucius of Cyrene and Menane, uh, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate unto me Paul and Barnabas, or Saul, um, Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And here's what happens as we come into chapter 13. We see the church isn't stopping because of all this. They aren't sidetracked by the political mayhem that's going on in that area at that point. And all the unrest and all the opposition, they aren't sidetracked or deterred in it. They aren't stopped. I can imagine it's affecting their daily life, but the Bible doesn't mention it. It just, it goes on. And so we observe there's all sorts of turmoil. There's struggle. We observe that Acts 13 opens up and it's like the, all those events that Josephus even talks about, God doesn't even comment on. It just shows us that, 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 that God's plan in that area of the world just continues to move on as his church is faithful to meet, assemble, pray for one another, seek the will of God together, teach, teach one another, and grow in the Lord. And it seems like it's, it's from God's perspective, there's all this chaos, but the church just continues to move on. So we observe that. And what I interpret as I look at that is the church is not deterred by opposition, the turbulent political times, the social scandal that was going on that God just over, I don't want to say overlooks, but he doesn't comment on. His, his narrative that he gives us is the church just continues. And so I, I look at that situation and see that the church just moves forward uh, by the Spirit of God and with the Word of God irregardless of what's going on in the culture. And you know what? That instructs me. Because I observed that whole section of time, that whole portion of Scripture, and I, I look at that and I'm like, wow. Because that's exactly what I need to do now. And that's exactly what I'm tempted not to do. I look at culture. I look at the political. I look at the, the, the different things that we even talked about tonight gates going up around churches. I look at all that, and I'm tempted not to. But do you know if that happened in that time? Church just moved on. And here's what I'm saying, is when we, when we look at the Bible in sections like that, and we break it apart in the book of Acts, you can learn lessons. It's not just picking little verses out or picking something that makes us feel good. It's learning lessons that really help us live and exist in this day. And uh, if you remember back, November 8th is when I preached the message entitled, The Church Just Moves On, right after the election, right? 
uh, the church just moves on. What does God want us to do? Keep doing his work. Keep doing his work. And you know what? That, that is something we learn as we uh, study, as we observe it, as we interpret it, and as we apply it into our lives. Inductive Bible study. And so the word of God, as we study it in that way, should impact us in three ways. It should impact our thinking. Huh, never thought of it that way. Or, huh, I'm not thinking of it that way. <laughs> it's more like it. Even as I said this today, you know, sometimes I, you know, uh, I, I, I get so convicted personally that I, I can get off in conversations that don't have anything to do with eternity with, with people out in public. There's so many, so many conversations that can be had. So much to talk about in the world right now. But things that don't, don't impact eternity. And oh, God help me to have the right thinking. But you know, the word of God corrects my thinking. Even as I looked at this today, I just had to tell the Lord, you know what? I, I don't, I'm, I'm not where I need to be all the time. And I, I thought of a specific instance where the Lord just convicted me. You're not where I need you to be. You're not in the right thought process. You're not thinking eternally. Um, it should change us emotionally, impact us emotionally. It should change our heart. How do, we, how do we think in our heart? It should impact us volitionally. How am I going to change my actions as a result of what God said? So when I, when I look at this with, with the church uh, uh, in Acts, in Acts chapter number 12, in Acts chapter 13, it makes me say, Lord, uh, well, others might be getting distracted or deterred, and I don't mean that in, a, in any sort of condescending way. Well, that, that is my propensity right now. Let me say it that way. That's my propensity. Lord, I, I want my thinking to be set on you. And I want my heart to be resting in you, at, at settled rest in you. And by your grace, we're just going to continue to take steps forward. I'm going to personally take steps forward. We're going to take steps forward, irregardless of what's going on. And allowing that to be what the Lord does as he, as he teaches us through his word, uh, specifically here inductively. And so, um, as we think about the word of God speaking to us, one man put it this way, um, people prefer a God who does not speak because he makes less clear demands, asks no questions, makes no promises, threatens no punishment. The postmodern move against the meaning in words and against words themselves is part of an attempt to create not only a world without God, but a universe without meaning. And you know what? It's important that we get into the Word of God, that we study what it says, and we allow it to speak to our hearts, and we allow it to challenge us where we are, and correct our thinking, and correct our heart, and change our, our will. Think about this. The very first temptation, the very first temptation was simply to doubt the Word of God to question the word of God. Hath God said? Well, don't you think Satan's continuing to do that today? Well, has God said? Is he still good? Is he still, it's not up there right now, building his church? Well, yeah. He, ha he is. And uh, even today, as, uh, as I saw those, the, the news of those gates being put around that church, and you, you might agree or disagree with how the church has responded, irregardless. But as I saw that, it's just it's it's kind of a saddening thing to see uh, happen. And uh, the thought came to mind, you know, God as he as as a 
as his people are squeezed and they're challenged, they tend to grow. And you know what? Lord, build your church in that city in a way that is beyond our imagination. Bring many people to the Lord as, as people see that church uh, be challenged in, in, uh, in their faith and in their, their worship. And so the first temptation was, has God said? And to doubt his word. Now, the Bible includes words of information. It declares to us some things. It exhorts us. It persuades us. There's some conversational uh, uh, passages in Scripture. All these things in there that we get to study as we observe, as we interpret, and as we imply. Now, let's keep those things in mind, and we'll come back to this next week. You have this sheet of paper that I would encourage you to fold up, put inside your Bible. Uh, you have this one, and we'll, we'll look at that a little bit next week, and uh, we'll continue on. But for, uh, for all that being said, um, may the Lord help us to dive into his word and to be eager workmen that do not need to be ashamed, as we would rightly divide the word of truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, your instruction, and thank you for the fact that we can ruminate and meditate upon your word. Thank you that you call us to be eager uh, learners and workmen, skilled workmen. And Lord, you don't want us to be ashamed. And Lord, I pray for me that you'd help me not to be ashamed before you uh, in the way that I study your word. And I pray for my friends here tonight that we would not be ashamed before you in the way that we study your word, that we would take time to observe it, to read passages of scripture, observe it, uh, interpret it, uh, looking into the words of different meanings and apply it into our lives so we might be like you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.